maybe it's just that you don't know how to use social courtesy. Oh, that's old-fashioned. Watch how Lizzie Post and Dan Post Senate act as host and hostess. They know that courtesy means showing respect, thinking of the other person, real friendliness. Hello. And welcome to Awesome Etiquette. Where we explore modern etiquette through the lens of consideration, respect, and honesty. On today's show, we take your questions on wind chime awareness, is it rude to host and gym, keeping up with the Joneses at work, and who to introduce to whom when elders are present. Plus, your most excellent feedback, etiquette salute, and a postscript segment on housewarmings. For Awesome Etiquette sustaining members, your extra question of the week is about ordering issues at restaurants. All that's coming up. Awesome Etiquette comes to you from the studios of Vermont Public Radio and is proud to be produced in Burlington, Vermont by the Emily Post Institute. I'm Lizzie Post. And I'm Dan Post-Senning. You wrote down Crazy Robin in the intro show notes, so what is what is Crazy Robin? Please do tell. I have a Crazy Robin in my life. This is a bird? This is a bird. Okay, this is a real-life bird okay. <laughs> who has real life shown up, and I was laying in bed the other morning, and I heard this bumping in the kitchen. Oh my gosh. You, the window thing, he's bumping, oh, you need to hang something. This is a problem. This is going to continue for a long time. Pooch looked it up. I was really curious what was going on. And this Robin was trying to get into the house. And I thought that there was something in the the living room. At the mate, something like that. That he thought was food. Mm -hmm. So I I was looking around for the living room, like what I could clean up. We have these little puff balls that (laughs) Anisha and Raju play with. I was like, oh, maybe he thinks those are yummy. Or because he'd try to get in one window and then he'd go to another window and he'd try to get in there and he's like bumping against the window. I'm also a little concerned that the window could get cracked. Okay. Anyway, I was wondering what was going on. I was going to ask my mother, who's a big birder. Yeah. But Pooch Googled it, and I guess they see their reflection yes. in the window, and it's a, a territorial thing. They're trying to chase off the They're competitor. They're fighting themselves. Well, it didn't stop. This morning, it happened again, and it lasted for like an hour and a half. And I'm up. I'm on my computer going over my script and <laughs> periodically standing up to go stand in front of the window to stop this robin from bouncing <laughs> off it. So you got to hang something in your window. That helps to stop the reflection. You've heard about this. Not only that, we have one at my parents' house. There's a robin that does this against one of the windows, and it's it's really annoying, and it's not good for them. I mean, they're constantly, like, you know, hitting themselves. So it's you do have to kind of, like, keep the shade down or find something that breaks up the reflection so that they don't see it. Yeah. We had had this birthday party, and I was thinking about scotch taping the balloons that are left over <laughs> to the window. Just something, but it's his reflection that he's yeah. going for, and he, he patrols. He walks up and down the banister of the porch, sort of staring himself down, and then he flies at the window and hits it. (laughs) Oh, poor Robin. (laughs) Crazy Robin. (laughs) Oh, signs of spring. You know, we had another sign of spring around here, and we have our first Train the Trainers signed up for our fall in-house training. People are starting to sign up, and I'm finding myself giving the advice, this is really good. The sooner you start looking for your hotel room in Vermont in late September, early October, <laughs> the better. The more choices you're going to have. Yep. <laughs> and I was saying that, or and your I was Airbnb, <laughs> a little bit sort of remarking to myself, I can't believe how fast 
time passes. It really, it really does. I'm, you know, we're it, it's chugging right along. We've got a lot more coming this year and a lot more to do. It's, you know, it's exciting stuff, and so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting to it. But it's, it's a good sign of spring that Train the Trainer is beginning. And I don't want to rush through summer. I want to enjoy spring. Oh, yeah, I want to enjoy no. summer. <laughs> we're not at fall yet, but <laughs> fall is coming. <laughs> oh goodness. I know. Someone's so bad. been thinking Game of Thrones. So bad. <laughs> you know what else is coming? What? Some questions. Oh, good handoff. All right. Let's get to some questions. Let's do it. Awesome Etiquette is here to answer your questions on how to behave. And if you have a question for us, you can email it to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. You can also reach us on Twitter and Facebook. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette with your post so we know you want your question on the show. And sustaining members, please remember to put sustain member in your message will answer your questions over on the sustaining member episode awesome etiquette gets support from StoryWorth. there are some stories about your mom's life that you truly never get tired of hearing from hilarious to heartfelt tear jerking to plot twisting mom's retelling of the events always brings a bit of joy just in time for Mother's Day, we here at Awesome Etiquette found the perfect gift that can capture all of your mom's stories for your family forever. It's called StoryWorth. StoryWorth helps you preserve precious memories and stories from your mom or a mother figure in your life for years to come. Here's how it works. Each week, StoryWorth emails your loved one a thought-provoking question that you get to help pick. What was your first job? Who was your first crush? <laughs> StoryWorth makes the writing process a breeze. All your loved one needs to do is to respond to the email prompt with a story. Long or short, it doesn't matter. I did this with my mom and it was really, really rewarding. You'll be emailed a copy of your loved one's responses as they're submitted over the course of the year. You'll get to enjoy their retelling of the stories, some you probably already know, or maybe the ones that you're surprised by you haven't heard before. <laughs> After that year of fun discovery and reminiscing, StoryWorth compiles your loved one's stories and photos into a beautiful keepsake hardcover book that you'll be able to share and revisit for generations to come. You can even keep a copy of the book for yourself. Give all the moms in your life a unique, heartfelt gift that you all will cherish for years. Story Worth. Right now, save $10 on your first purchase when you go to storyworth.com slash manners. That's storyworth, S-T-O-R-Y-W-O-R-T-H dot com slash manners. It's manners with an S to save $10 on your first purchase. And now back to our show. We begin our show today with a question about wind chime awareness. Hello, Lizzie and Daniel. My neighbor has a wind chime that makes me cringe whenever I hear it. I'm in an apartment building next to a house divided into apartments. The wind chime is on their back deck, which essentially faces my bedroom window. I believe I have the right to ask them to move it to the side of the building that doesn't face mine, but I'm struggling with the wording. 
To make matters worse, I don't know any of the people living in the building and expect this communication will be via written note. Further, I don't know which of the apartments is the chime culprit. I... Please help me with how to address and sample language. Any help would be much appreciated, Ingrid. P.S. Chirp chirp to Daniel from a fellow Pomona alum. Did she know that you have a crazy robin? No, this has nothing to do with the (laughs) robin. This is way too coincidental. (laughs) Pomona College's sort of silly, ridiculous mascot is the sage hen. Oh, okay. Cecil. Okay. So he's uh, not fearsome. Okay. And Pomona alums chirp chirp is like a, a reference to the silliness of our school mascot gotcha 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 so chirp chirp right back to you ingrid. <laughs> ingrid i have seen a series of passive non-aggressive notes and and passive non-aggressive tactics for changing up neighborly relations i had a friend who was going bump a bit loudly in the night and her neighbor left quite a lovely note that was very um supportive of all the goodness that that might bring and at the same time requesting that maybe, you know, headboards be bolted to the wall or beds be moved to the other side of the room. And it was very delicately put, very, very cheerfully put, not accusatory, but making someone aware of the impact they're having on others. There was another where aroma was the issue and there was uh, certain specific aromas coming from an apartment and there are products specifically to deal with them and those were left right outside the person's door and they were nice quality products and both these people laughed off these instances and chose to acquiesce to the the neighbor's requests we often don't say oh leave a note or do something a little funny you know leave something that would help solve this problem but I'm starting to see that maybe we are a little amenable to this in this day and age and that this isn't as poorly received as it used to be. There's got to be a way to talk to your neighbors. I think so. Because we're sharing space. I think so. And ideally, if you were doing something that was really bothering or upsetting or impacting someone else, you'd want to know about it, even just so that you could assess for yourself how much it mattered to you. Yeah, I think it's worth thinking about how you do it because avoiding that accusatory or blaming tone I think goes a long way towards having your message be received well. And speaking of how you do it, I think that in some ways the in-person request is great because – So much of your body language and your tone can be present and seen. However, when we're dealing with someone we don't know, we can feel really unsafe. We can feel really unsure. And also just the nerve it takes to simply make a request of someone else. And in this case, it's a part of their home. It's something decorative. It's something they clearly enjoy that they wanted to put up that's affecting you negatively. And that's a hard starting place is, hi, we've never met before. Something you're doing is bothering me. Like, that's a hard place to start. And so a lot of the good tone, intention, body language can go out the window because the nerves are in place. So that's why sometimes I think a note can be really effective, but it has to really be well written. (laughs) So I'm thinking about the elements of a good note. I think that you want to identify yourself. Some of the things that you were just doing as if you were standing in front of them, I think, apply to the note as well. They need to know who it's coming from and how you're connected. (laughs) Hello, exclamation point, maybe even a smiley face. Or hello from your neighbor next door, exclamation point. I know we've never met, but I 
you know, what else? What else could we add to it? Like, My bedroom greeting, is right? very close to your back door. You may even have noticed me sitting out oh, on the no. deck or but whatever it is oh, that yeah, could establish totally. that connection. You want to mention it or reference it. I, I, I so enjoy sharing this neighborhood with you. I know that's starting to sound hokey, but even something that explicitly keeps the positive aspects of the relationship front and center. Yeah. At some point, you got to get around to the actual thing, though. Right. I mean, we were sort of joking, saying, hi, you've never met me, but there's a problem. Yeah. There is going to be a turn at some point in this message. I think a good way to turn into it is there's something I'm hoping you could help me with. Oh, I like that. I'm noticing that at night I can hear the wind chimes on the back deck and... I know that they are there for enjoyment, and I would very much so love for people to be able to enjoy them, but was wondering if maybe you'd consider moving them in at night or over to the other side of the deck or this. Whatever makes the most sense. Unfortunately, being so close to my bedroom, they do keep me up at night. Hoping we can find a solution. Thanks so much for taking the time to consider it. Like, Beth next door, hope we can meet in person. Like, something like that, right? Like, Lovely. am I crazy? Is no. it not? Is, no? Does that sound okay? And I think doing the best you can to, you know, use as much language that lets them know you aren't angry. You're just hopeful that there's a solution and you understand the awkwardness of having to introduce yourself and make a request of someone else. I think that pretty much covers it. I don't think you want to be too long. You don't want it to turn into a letter or an exposition. Yeah. And the other thing that I would mention is they may or may not fix it. Yeah. That you've got to be prepared for that also. And oftentimes knowing your own bottom lines, we talk about this pretty regularly here, can help you regulate your emotional responses. There are other options, earplugs, white noise machines, Curtains that muffle sound. What, scissors that mysteriously cut the strings on the wind chimes every night? What? No? No? I'm just kidding. That's not a good option. But there are other things that you can do if this first request isn't acknowledged or responded to. Ingrid, chirp, chirp. We hope you have a quiet night's sleep. Well, I think it's because each of us helps to keep the room quiet when we're working. But we're not quiet all the time. You're not? No. We know there are times and places to be quiet, and other times and places when we can make noise if we want to. Our next question asker wonders, is it rude to host and Jim? <laughs> G-Y-M. Dear Dan and Lizzie, I love to have guests and have been told I am a great hostess. I have recently been trying to make more effort to go to the gym. I'm curious if I have people visiting if it's rude to go to my gym. I generally like to go for an hour, and my gym is about a 30-minute walk from my apartment. I don't have a car. When I have a guest, should I not do my workouts? I'm mainly thinking about weekends when the class I like to attend is at 9 a.m.-ish. My husband would be home to help anyone who is there before I get back. Another item is the fact that my alarm might wake someone up as my apartment is small. Thank you for your guidance in today's world. XOXOX, strength training in San Francisco. This is a great question. I know. I'm so jealous. Strength training in San Francisco. You're getting active. You're getting to the gym. I feel the end of winter, and I so (laughs) want to be out there getting back in shape. You will. Don't worry, cuz. You will. 
So I want to support you in your work and say that there's a way to do this. There's a polite and a courteous way to do this. I don't think you have to give up your gym time necessarily. Absolutely not. I think that whenever someone comes as a guest, we let them know what the household routine is, what's going on. And that's the key here is communication. You want to let your guests know what's happening. And I think pretty much all the information that you gave us is what you want to give them. There's a exercise class I've really been enjoying. It happens on Saturday morning at nine o'clock. It takes me about a half hour to get there and get back. The class lasts an hour. I'm yeah, hoping I'll be gone to make from it this time to this time. Yeah. My husband will be here to help with the morning routine to get you started on your day to get some breakfast yeah, on the yeah. table, whatever it is that, that you would usually do for guests in the morning or that he would do in your absence. And then you proceed with your plan. You might invite someone to come with you if they're interested, if that's a possibility. I think that you also want to make sure that you do what you can to minimize noise in the morning. So if that's turning the volume down on the alarm to where it'll still wake you up, but maybe not be as loud for others and shutting it off as soon as possible. If it's making sure that all your clothing is stacked right next to the bed so you're not opening drawers, really all you have to do is, you know, get changed you know, use the restroom and get out the door. And that, I think, you know, helps keep the impact of that early morning, you know, you're up a half hour before you have to then walk a half hour, you're up at eight on a nine, you know. Other options? Yeah. You might find another class that you've been wanting to try that happens earlier if you could get up before your guests are likely to be up and at them or if you want to do some hosting duties during the day. Maybe there's an earlier class you could attend or maybe there's something Friday night or Monday evening after your work. Adjust your schedule. Where you could stay on your weekly routine pretty closely. Maybe try something new. Maybe not get exactly the thing that you're used to but still honor that, that exercise spirit. I also want to acknowledge that there might be some guests for whom you would want to disrupt your routine. There might be somebody that you just haven't seen in a long time or... Somebody, for whatever reason, the time that you get to spend with them is really important or their connection is really more to you than to your husband. Or they have limited, like, ability. You know what I mean? Because at some point with couples, I do think you get – even with the whole, like, connection being closer to one than the other – You're operating as a couple, you're hosting as a couple, like you're kind of in that social zone, you know what I mean? But I do like the idea of like if the person's only in town for a short period or you have limited time with them, let's say they're in town for work and much of their day is going to be taken up by work, maybe that morning breakfast time is the only time you're really going to have with them. I mean, really, yeah, I think assessing each visit makes a lot more sense. But there are options. There is the option to do it, to communicate about it. It's not necessary that you cancel this every time strength training in san francisco keep up the good work we hope this helps it's up to you to see that your body gets the activity it needs for better physical and mental health this next one is tough this question is titled keeping up with the joneses at work hello lizzie and dan I have a work-related question. I work in a large company, but I'm part of a small 8- to 10-person team of women. Just recently, a few of the women put together an elaborate and very expensive baby shower and gift for one of the women on the team. We were all required, in quotation marks, to pay our share, cake, decorations, venue fee, and gift. This amount was not only appalling, it was out of my budget. 
As time goes on, I expect more celebrations to come in the form of expensive lunches, a wedding shower, and many more baby showers. If I don't participate, it would affect how I am viewed and included at work and ultimately in my career. Not participating is not an option, and being busy for each event would be obvious. I would love to hear not only your advice, but my fellow Awesome Etiquette listeners as well. Best, Joan. Can't keep up with the Joneses. I think this is really tough because you do, to, to some degree, I think it is perfectly okay as long as you're comfortable saying this, but discussing it with whomever it is that's really hosting and organizing these events and say, hey, listen, what we did was beautiful and it was really wonderful, but I anticipate the fact that we have a lot of women who might we might want to celebrate things we might want to do and this could get very costly very quickly for a lot of folks and i hate to bring it down to budget but i think we've got to find a way to do these that's a little bit more budget friendly around the office if we're going to require people to participate i also think that just personally this is now not the conversation i'd be having with that host but don't feel you are required to participate there's a very quick out for this you do not have to get a gift for a shower you've been invited to given the nature of how these folks work together i would suggest getting a gift but declining the party and just saying you know like unfortunately i can't participate in the party but i'd love to get you something you know can you send me the link to the registry or would be happy to pick something out don't you think that like I, I feel the need to talk to these women about the fact that this party is really out of range? Absolutely. Okay. Not out of line to do so. No, my yeah. first option was very similar. I think that you, you have to have the option in front of you to be direct and clear. We often say that discussions about money can feel fraught and awkward. And one of the ways to prevent that from stifling those conversations from happening when they're necessary is to remind yourself that you need to be candid and honest, that you need to be clear about what your hard lines are and honest about the reasons. And that doesn't mean you have to reveal a lot about yourself personally. I'd love to help chip in on this, but that is beyond my budget right now. I can contribute X, Y, or Z amount and I'm happy to help in other ways too, is a completely reasonable thing to say to someone who's asking for your contribution but is asking in a way that yeah. doesn't sound like it's a if you could, but a, this is the amount that you owe to chip in. I think it's also OK in these circumstances when you have this type of a conversation and you're, you're, you're choosing to admit that your budget doesn't, doesn't fit what this other person is wanting to do. I think it's okay for you to also say, I'd appreciate it if you kept this between us. It's one of those things where you could see very easily someone being like, oh, yeah, Karen couldn't afford it, so we're going to do something different this time. And just a very casual to the person who they're organizing it with, not even to the whole group or anything. But even that, I think it's important to feel like it's okay for you to protect that and say, you know, I'm not that comfortable discussing my budget, but I didn't know any other way to address this without bringing it up. And I'd appreciate it if you kept that part of it between the two of us. I think that's OK. The other thought that occurred to me is you might have more allies here than you realize. Oh, yeah. Usually you do. You might not be the only one feeling this way. And once you raise it, I think that it might be an important discussion to be having in your workplace and other people might appreciate it. 
You know, speaking of allies and the idea that other people might be behind this, that is a way to approach the budget thing with the organizer without exposing that the budget was tough on you. But you could say something like, at another organization I'm with, this is one of the ways that we handle group participation so that if people's budgets are different, they are really just contributing what works for their budget as opposed to contributing something that they might not be able to meet. And a lot of people don't love speaking up when budget is an issue. So it might just be something to consider for the next party. That's starting to tiptoe up to the more complicated answer (laughs) that I wanted to get into. I so appreciated the perspective in this question that the social side of business relationships can be really important. It's true. The ways that we interact with each other, the ways we participate outside the workplace can have a huge impact on a career. And I think about people who feel pressure to have expensive club memberships in order to participate in the social scene that's a big part of a particular work environment. I don't think this is a one-to-one comparison to that, but I – it's one of the things that came to my mind and not wanting to just opt out, not wanting to be the one to put a kibosh on the whole thing I think is a a reasonable – sort of counterbalance to have in your mind as you're thinking about what to do. And the option of saying I'd rather not or I can't is certainly on the table. But with that on the table, I think that there might be some other ways to approach it. And one of those is where you offered to play more of a role as an organizer or a host so that you have more control. You might opt out of a percentage of them. You might say I'm in for the baby showers, but not for the after work drinks. Or you start to pick and choose and you look for the ones that feel the most significant, the ones that you'd really want to participate in. And maybe you have that discussion about what you can afford and figuring out ways to participate and contribute what you can for those ones that fall somewhere in between the two. I think that having that range of options enables you to operate with more sophistication in that environment than just opting out all the time, which I do think is wise. Joan can't keep up with the Joneses. We hope that this helps, and it helps take a little bit of the competition out of the social side of work. We can't leave this question without also giving a reminder that Joan has asked all of you for your expert awesome etiquette advice as well. I am so curious what the awesome etiquette audience thinks about this question. Good morning. May I help you? Yes. Can you tell me the price of those bookends in the window? Yes, that pair is eight seventy-five, and most attractive. I'm afraid that's more than I care to spend. Question four is titled, Who is the Guest? Ms. Emily Post, I have a question regarding family etiquette. My wife, who is 74, and I, who am 76, have adult daughters, both who are over 50 years old. My question is, when our granddaughter recently was going to her high school prom, my daughter invited the boy's parents to her home for photos. My wife and I were also invited. As the elders, should my daughter have introduced the boy's parents to my wife and I as her parents and the grandparents? Or was it our responsibility to go over to the boy's parents, strangers to us, and introduce ourselves? I was raised to always introduce myself as the younger or be introduced by the host hostess to elders when I went to a gathering where older people who are strangers to me were present. What procedure is the accepted protocol? I would appreciate your professional opinion. Tony. 
Tony, I think that it's really good for you to be considering this because you're right. We have both things that we tend to cater to in the world of introductions and uh, socializing. And that is when someone is a stranger to an environment and also when someone is an elder. And so here you've got both strangers visiting the boy's parents. They're new to the family and you are more familiar with the family. But you are also the most senior people there and not the host or hostess. So you're kind of also a good guest. It's really an interesting combination of what to do. I tend to think that if you're not in from out of town, if you're over at the house frequently, I would consider you more along the lines of close with family. And I might make sure to introduce myself to the guests who are visiting. If I take more of that patriarch matriarch role in the family if it's a more formalized situation or setup and that's how you kind of operate in your social life then you know you might make sure that your daughter introduces the boy's parents to you and that's another way to do it order of introduction is such a classic etiquette question it's sort of fun to be able to address it a little bit and those two considerations who's the guest who's the visitor who's the outsider also who's the elder are important and oftentimes they're helpful in deciding who to honor. And I love that idea of thinking about order of introduction being about who you want to honor as opposed to a language that we once used, who's the more important person in a situation. And when you think about it in terms of that honor, I think one way to keep the introduction itself really clear is that you start by addressing that person. So you say, honored guest, I'd like to introduce my parents to you. And obviously you give the names and the titles that are going to be appropriate for those people to address or use with each other once the introduction's made and you've moved on to your other duties as a host. I think that this works pretty well. It's nice when everybody has some awareness. I think it would be really nice if your daughter, in her role as a host in this situation, were to notice that you hadn't made an introduction yet yourself and took that into her hands and went and did that. If it didn't happen, I would also say don't let that get you flustered. Don't let that become the disruption or the thing that introduces some discomfort in that situation. It is perfectly appropriate for you to go make that introduction yourself, to do that self-introduction. If it hasn't already happened, yeah. More formally, the younger person would look for the opportunity to introduce themselves. But as a guest or a visitor, they might also feel a little awkward about that. So I think you want to take all of those things into consideration as you think about it. The important thing with introductions, and we often find ourselves saying this, is that you do them, that you make them happen. People get really hung up on the form of introduction a lot. Well, what if I've forgotten someone's name? What if I don't have their name exactly right? What if I can't keep track of who I'm supposed to introduce to whom? And that ends up being the thing that prevents a decent, good, respectable version of that introduction from happening at all. And that's the thing that you really want to avoid. Tony, over time, a lot of our social interactions have become much more about making people feel comfortable and just making the action happen as opposed to who is making the action happen first or who is introducing who to whom. (laughs) So I would say that if you find yourself in the situation again, do what feels natural and don't feel slighted if an introduction hasn't been made. Tony, we hope that this helps. 
Thank you for your questions. Please send us updates, comments, or feedback on our answers to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. Or reach out via Twitter. We're at at emilypostinst. That's I-N-S-T. Or on Facebook, we are Awesome Etiquette. Just use the hashtag Awesome Etiquette in your post so that we know you want your question on the show. It's time for our feedback segment where we hear from you about the questions we answer and the topics we cover. Our first piece of feedback comes from Maureen. Lizzie and Dan, thank you both for another great episode. I was just listening to the latest episode, Dressed to the Eights, and it made me think of a helpful tip for someone in the listener's predicament. A couple of years ago, a good friend and I arranged a girl's trip to California and made plans to go to a couple of fun events. Not sure what to wear? My friend pulled up the hashtag of one of the events on Instagram to take a look at pictures that have been posted in the past to see what guests have worn in previous years. That gave us a little more guidance in terms of the style norms of the group of people in attendance, on top of the general etiquette dress code definition. Ever since, I've used this trick to get a better sense of the flavor of an event I'm attending for the first time. I hope this is helpful. Thanks, as always, for what you do, Maureen. That is a helpful tip. It would never occur to me to use Instagram as part of my social research, but I guess I'm dating myself a little bit (laughs) because that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sending us your thoughts and updates. Please keep them coming. You can send your comment or update to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com or leave us a voicemail or text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. It's time for our Postscript segment where we dive deeper into a topic of etiquette. And today we're going to talk about housewarmings. I feel like it's spring People are, I, I don't know what, people move all throughout the year, but it seems like the time where we open up our houses to people. But for housewarmings, so many of you have been writing in recently about housewarmings and registries that it made us think it was probably time for another primer on housewarmings. I love your idea about a housewarming being about warming a house, this feeling of comfort and bringing a spirit of community and friendship and family into a physical space. I, it's one of my favorite reminders that you give. And every time we answer a question about housewarmings, you bring it up. And every time I love to hear it. So could you start us off <laughs> yes, with that idea? And it's, it's not my idea. This is what housewarmings are for. They are to warm the house with the presence of family, friends, and neighbors so that you don't feel like a stranger in your own home, so that your space has been filled by people who know you. Um, and it starts to connect you to the space. Uh, it often gives us something to to get ready for, too, and just to encourage us to show the space around. We want to have, have it all set up. Um, and people are going to be curious. And people are going to be curious. Um, but housewarmings are very casual parties. They only involve gifts if people are uh, wanting to bring something by. That could be a plate of cookies, a potted plant, something to grow in the garden. It could be uh, a 
a small decoration for the home. It could be something significant, but no matter what, it is not something ever found on a registry. You do not register for these types of gifts, and it's because the range can be so many different things. Whether it's a hot dish, whether it's a small trinket, whether it's a homemade item or a card, this is supposed to be in the casual. Category, not in the formal. We're trying to fill in the blanks category. So when it comes to issuing invitations for this party, sorry, kind of jumped ahead right there to the advice that we've been giving recently. But you want to think about doing a start and end time for the party. This is a drop-in party. You want to have some dishes out, but this is casual, so don't think about serving a sit-down meal. This is really an open-ended type thing. So finger foods, things that are easily refilled. You want to. Plan on keeping open invitations. So, if you invite parents, you're often inviting whole families. You know, it's okay to do that. <laughs> if you would like, don't forget to include your neighbors, the、I、people、so. that you don't necessarily know yet, but are likely to be. At least some part of your life moving forward. Yeah, expect that people are going to want tours. This is the time to open、I、your house up. Ask about this, and often we even mean the upstairs. So just be prepared. Have rooms ready. Rooms that you don't want people to go in. Keep them, you know, shut or locked, whichever you prefer. But definitely be ready to do tours as well as you know, then bounce back to the front door to answer it or welcome people in.、Um, it's it's definitely you know it's kind of a zooey day. Uh, but often there's some of the nicest parties because you really do feel like people are gathering and having a good time, and it just feels good to have people over in your home. I confess, I sort of love that implicit permission to kind of look around a little bit. That is part、yes. of a housewarming. It's、and、fun. You don't need to entertain in your guest room, but、right. be ready to open the guest room door and have someone look in and see. Oh, there's a bedspread and a dresser. Or oh, look how they set、is. it up! It's so、yeah. cute. It is a really, really nice kind of party to have, but just keep in mind that it is casual.、Uh, you probably want to send your invitations out. I would say anywhere from two to four weeks ahead of time. I think is really nice. But and again, that's kind of a, a long range. But for these kind of more life event parties, you know,、um, we do tend to give a little bit more time、uh, than your casual Friday night dinner party. Give people a chance to plan for it and to attend if they'd like to. Exactly. And the nice thing about these parties is that because people are coming and going, you can usually have a pretty decent sized guest list. You do want to remember to thank your guests on the way out. You do want to try to catch people as they come and go. It's a little bit more work on a host, but.、It's It is.、Uh, it is kind of one of those important keep tabs on folks as they as they make their way through the party. <laughs> It's true. Housewarmings are work for a host. There's a lot going on. You've got a whole space to show off, and no specified start and end time where everybody's going to be arriving and leaving together. So、right. <laughs> there's a lot of hosting duties for a pretty casual party. We hope that this postscript helps you keep track of those duties as you host your next housewarming or. If you're a guest, helps you satisfy your curiosity and participate well. If you have any problems like those you've just seen, talk them over, get them settled, because the only way to have a friend is to be one, and friendship is one of the most precious things in life. We like to end our show on a high note, so we turn to you to hear about the good etiquette you're seeing and experiencing out in the world, and that can come in so many forms. Today we hear from Kira. Dear Lizzie and Dan, 
I would like to take a moment to recognize the two ladies working as baristas at Cafe Mont Alto in Plymouth, New Hampshire. I went there to meet a friend for coffee in a recent week and found all parking to be metered and my wallet to be without change. This happens to me too. (laughs) I went in and asked the two lovely girls there if they knew of a change machine nearby. The girls immediately reached into their own wallets and gave a casual, oh, how long will you be here for? As though it was no trouble to pay for my parking and handed me several hours worth of quarters. I was blown away. They were so quick to be generous, which is something I don't often see from college students. I was a college barista once, and you don't make a ton. Once I came back in, they furthered their pleasantness by offering to make me a special cappuccino, lavender and vanilla, which was amazing. I could tell these girls adored their job and must have been raised by saints, (laughs) as they were angels. A big thank you to those girls and to all those out there who are teaching others to be generous and look for opportunities to serve our fellow man. Smile. Sincerely, Kira. Kira, thank you so much for that. It is just nice when you have those good, surprisingly easy, lovely interactions. And it's also really nice when you're receptive to them. Like you actually, you received these ladies' generosity. And I think that that is important from time to time to just remember that when it's offered to you and the universe is providing you with that, why not say yes? And I'm sure they could feel the same appreciation that we can feel in your etiquette salute. Thank you, Kira. And thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone who sent us something. Please connect with us and share this show with your family, friends, and coworkers on social media. You can send us questions, comments, and salutes by email to awesomeetiquette at emilypost.com. You can also reach us by phone, where you can leave us a message or send us a text at 802-858-KIND. That's 802-858-5463. On Twitter, I'm at Lizzie A. Post. That's Lizzie with an I-E. And I'm at Daniel underscore Post. On Facebook, we are both Awesome Etiquette and the Emily Post Institute. Please consider becoming a sustaining member. You can find out more about this by visiting awesomeetiquette.emilypost.com. You can also subscribe to the regular version of our show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, or any of your favorite podcast apps. If you like the show, please, please, please do consider leaving us a review. It's really helpful for our show rankings. Our show is edited by Chris Albertine and assistant produced by Bridget Dowd. Thanks, Chris and Bridget. Thanks, Chris and Bridget. Bridget.